On today's episode, we're going to talk about the realities of burnout, especially for high achievers and those who are passionate about their jobs. And we're doing this because we hold a misconception that hard workers just expect and know how to manage a level of work that other people might get burned out from. And we expect that people who love their jobs, believe that their jobs are important or feel a sense of calling for them are somehow insulated against the deleterious effects of burnout. And it's worth mentioning here, we talk about burnout so often largely as reflective of, of jobs, of career, but burnout is bigger than that. And so this, think broadly about responsibilities, particularly family responsibilities for care and things of that nature. These can also be sources of burnout and for some of the same reasons might get dismissed because it is so important to care for that loved one, for example. But in fact, it's not true that loving your job or being passionate about what you do or working for something that's aligned with you missionally insulates you from burnout. High achievers often get a lot of their self-worth and validation from their jobs. And people who believe that the work that they do is important and aligned with their values, both can use these traits against themselves unknowingly and make their experience of burnout worse. Welcome to Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast with Stephanie Lee. On this show, we're going to talk about the experiences of high achieving women and men across industries and lifestyles who are at about the midpoint of their careers and are no longer satisfied to let life happen to them. Together, we're going to purposefully create the second half of our lives by addressing burnout and overwork, getting clarity on how we're creating the experience of our lives, how we're conspiring to keep ourselves stuck identifying and articulating what it is that we really want for the second half of our lives and a plan to achieve it. When I talk about high achievers, I'm talking about the people that I'm surrounded by every day. People who have succeeded professionally by working hard and by doing good work, who have expertise in a given domain or domains and who show up every day to leverage that expertise. They're not afraid of hard work and often volunteer for additional work beyond what's required to get the job done. Hard work and frankly, being smart has served them well. It's paid off. My guess is that you identify as a high achiever if you're listening to this podcast. Think about the characteristics of these individuals, smart and willing to learn, successful, likely intrinsically motivated. No one is making them accomplish a task. They work hard both now and have a history of working hard, likely in their education and into their professional lives. And they have that domain of professional expertise. These people are represented across all industries and sectors. And there's a lot of overlap between this group and those that are passionate about their professions and jobs and those that feel like the work they do is important and that it aligns with their own personal mission and values. These individuals derive a lot of personal meaning from work that they engage in professionally. They believe they're making a contribution to people, an important cause, and possibly are fulfilling a charge resulting from their faith. This can include healthcare workers, educators, religious workers, nonprofit workers, employees at NGOs and other organizations. 
In some cases, these individuals are also working below market value for their skills and accomplishments because of the importance of the work that they're engaging in and their willingness to sacrifice in that way. And what a coup it is, right? When you can devote your time and talents to a cause that you truly believe is important and get paid for it. However, what I would suggest to you as well is that burnout can be particularly challenging for these individuals. According to Deloitte's Wellbeing Pulse survey in 2015, 87% of professionals feel passionate about their current job, yet 64% are really stressed or frustrated. And that was 2015. With all that has happened in the world since, I am hard pressed to believe that these statistics are better in early 2023. Healthcare in particular is responding to a significant burnout at all levels, from first responders to physicians and specialists. These are individuals who have studied intensely, invested personally and professionally, and sacrificed to get where they are, and now they're finding themselves burned out. In many cases, they're leaving their jobs, and where they're staying, many are reaching out for help and support. We have an image of a board burned out employee, then quiet quitting, sitting in a desk or cube performing tasks that she doesn't think are meaningful anymore or mean anything, or just doing busy work. So how is it possible that being a high achiever or working in a job or field that gives you meaning doesn't offer an antidote or insulation to burnout and can in fact actually contribute to your burnout? In episode 15, I presented a tool for examining how we create our experience of our lives. And we're going to revisit that a bit here. You may want to go back and re-listen to those episodes 15, maybe even 13 and 14 for a deeper dive into this model. But the gist is this, this tool is called the self-coaching model and it was developed by Brooke Castillo. And it's a tool that is straightforward and simple enough that you can use it, you guessed it, to coach yourself. We create a result like burnout from actions that we take. And those actions always, always come from an emotion. And our emotions, which are basically chemical signatures in our body, are created by our thoughts. Said another way, all of the facts of our responsibilities, jobs, family obligations, other responsibilities, exist in the world as simply neutral facts. We have thoughts about them, evaluations, perceptions, explanations, and the stories that we tell about those responsibilities. And those thoughts, those stories generate emotions within us. But we also have thoughts about ourselves, how we show up, who we need to be, what we should be able to do, what other people would think, will think, what they should think, what makes us valuable as a person, as an organizational asset, as an employee, as a business owner, a family member, a consultant. All of these thoughts are creating emotions within us as well, which are driving actions and creating results. High achievers are already prone to perfectionism and people-pleasing and hustling for their worthiness. These are all topics I'm eager to do episodes on. So let's take a look into what models might look like for high-achieving purpose-driven types. In episode nine, I introduced cycles of focused work and purposeful rest. And as I've told you in the last several episodes, I was using this strategy in the fall. So I'll share my model with you first. So in episode nine, I introduced cycles of focused work and purposeful rest. 
And as we've talked about over the last several episodes, I was using this strategy in the fall, but I started encountering a lot of resistance. In the strategy, I suggest that we need to integrate purposeful breaks between periods of focused work during our workday and certainly in our evenings and on weekends. But I started encountering lots of resistance to the mid-workday breaks. So keep in mind that depending on what I'm working on, I might work for 20 minutes and take a three-minute break or work for 90 minutes and take a 20-minute break, just depending on what's going on and how I'm feeling. But this resistance that I was experiencing was coming from my thoughts. Thoughts like, taking a break is silly. I don't see my coworkers taking breaks. I haven't worked long enough to need a break. It's more trouble to get up and walk down the hall than it is to just keep working. I'm not tired. I don't need a break. I can't really focus on a meditation right now. I'm in the middle of something. I'll lose momentum. I can just keep going. If I keep going now, I'll be done sooner. This isn't actually long enough for a meaningful break. I don't have time to take a break. I just have to keep going. It doesn't make a difference anyway. There's too much to do. People, coworkers, colleagues will think that I'm lazy. So those were some of my thoughts just about taking a break, a break that, mind you, was between just three and 20 minutes. So let's look at a model for one of those thoughts. The one that's probably the most recurring for me is if I keep going now, I'll be done sooner. So my circumstance, the facts of the situation are that I have a specific number of tasks to do, let's say on my calendar and my to-do list for a given day. And it's time for me to take a brief break. And I think if I keep going now, I'll be done sooner. And I feel determined. And as you can imagine, that determination revs my engine up a bit. And so I skip the break. I work hard and fast on the next task. Likely I'm rushing and multitasking, trying to get as much done as possible, trying to be focused. The result for me may be that I'm finished a little bit earlier, but more likely, because probably I put more on my to-do list than I could actually do in a day, I continue working and I push straight through. I leave to go home, driving in traffic, which it's not an exaggeration to say justifies fight or flight, and then get home to quickly pick up or prepare dinner. All the while, I'm simmering in stress hormones and have been in a sympathetic state all afternoon, and I'm going to find it hard to come down and relax in the evening, especially as I've spent more and more time in a stressful place over the course of a period of time. So I don't get the real rest that I need. So that's my model. Just gives you an example. Part of the identity of high achievers is that they're accomplishing a lot at a high level. And often they make it look easy. They're calm. They're not breaking a sweat externally. But internally, there are often a lot of thoughts like, I knew what I was getting into with this profession or job. Everyone else seems to be able to handle it. I should be able to do this. Enter shame and guilt, those emotions that are called forth from those thoughts and a fear of being found out. So let's model one of these thoughts for fun. Let's take a circumstance basically the same as mine, a set of given tasks on the to-do list calendar for the day. But let's say this person is new at her job and the person is thinking, I have to prove that I deserve to be here. And she's feeling pressure. And from a place of feeling pressure, she buckles down. She works harder. When a gap opens up in her calendar, she fills it. She works into the evening, weekends, ensuring that she meets all of the deadlines. 
She seeks approval of her colleagues and her supervisors by performing at a high level and reminds herself that she has a lot to learn. The result is that she is new on the job and burning the candle at both ends and maybe not as focused as she could be, not retaining her on-the-job learning as well as she might, and freaking tired from the very beginning. Here's another rub, and I mentioned this a couple of episodes ago. When high achievers and people who are passionate about their work, who believe their work is important, even when they're depleted, they can override their nervous systems through strategies, usually those that produce cortisol, to continue getting things done. And this is what many people do for years on end until something, health, family, another event stops them in their tracks. And this is often fueled by beliefs like this is the price of success. This is what is required. My work is important. So rather than addressing and caring for yourself in burnout, you simply shove it out of the way, peel yourself up and get out the door with the help of caffeine, energy drinks, snacks, sugar, and self-talk designed to get you back up and moving from that sympathetic nervous system state. We don't need to model this again because I think you get the idea. But part of the reason that I included folks who are passionate about their jobs or who have an alignment in their jobs with their personal or religious mission is that we can have thoughts that really sound good. My work is important. What I do matters. Thoughts that we believe in that are important to us, but may not serve us when we're facing burnout. They're good thoughts, may even be true thoughts, but they also may be thoughts that cause you to work in ways that aren't good for you or for your organization. Because working from burnout isn't good for your organization either. And it isn't good for your clients. When you are burned out, your capacity to think critically, clearly, and creatively is diminished. Detailed work is harder, slower, and more likely to include errors. And your mood and ability to handle challenges and challenging situations and people is diminished. You're more likely to get sick and have a hard time kicking it. If your job doesn't require critical thinking, clear thinking, or creativity, detailed work, or the ability to manage difficult people, maybe this doesn't matter. If this way of working works for you and you're not having any bad effects from it, good on you, no worries, no changes needed. But if you're saying things to yourself like, I'm so tired, there is so much to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it all. I just can't keep going like this. It's time to consider whether what got you here, the thoughts and practices that you have had around work, they, whether or not they are what will get you to the next level of success. This is especially true if you're in the midpoint of your career and are looking forward to potentially 20-ish more years of working this way. If you continue working in the way that you do now, and by that I mean working the hours you currently work, at the intensity that you currently work, the pace that you currently work, the way that you feel about your work, the way you think and feel about your personal life and your work, how will you feel in a year if you continue to work this way? What about three years or five or 10? If you're continuing to seek advancement and promotions or new positions that build on your existing accomplishments, can you continue to work like this or is it time to find a new way to work? 
Looking back from here, after two years exposed to life coaching and the self-reflection that's accompanied that, I can see that I was burned out when I started my current day job. Totally burned out. And also thinking that I shouldn't be burned out and that no doubt contributed to it. My thought at the time was that I was going to work hard and press on and somehow in the background, my burnout would deal with itself. But I started the job wanting to do well, to make a contribution, to impress. And so I hit it hard and probably didn't really take a breather until the entire world did in 2020. Of course, at the same time, we were also in a global pandemic. And that was the year, as I've talked about on other episodes, when my mother-in-law was diagnosed and passed away from cancer over a series of five months. So it was quite a year. And what I realized looking back even further is that when I took my previous position back in 2011, I was burned out then too. On the heels of what had been a very stressful time at my previous organization, And at the same time, I'd been enrolled in a doctoral program for the previous three years. So looking back, it's laughable to think I didn't realize just how physically and emotionally spent I was. I'm actually quite delighted that I'm in a position now to see this and to go about my work, be it my professional work or my work as a coach and in developing this podcast in a way that doesn't burn me out. If I can learn to do this, this is the biggest gift that I can give myself. And so I don't share any of this with you for your sympathy. In fact, as I look around, it seems to me that we have normalized working from burnout and I'm seeing burnout everywhere. I have many interests, many varied interests, and those interests can be part of what keeps me healthy or they can contribute to burnout. I share this with you because I hear from so many of you across professions, I hear from so many of you that you are experiencing the same thing and that the same thoughts are animating you and the same assumptions about what is required for success are going through your mind. For me, the decision has been made that it is simply not worth the cost. I will do my life differently. And part of that doing my life differently is sharing this with you because I don't believe I'm isolated. I do see this happening to professionals and successful individuals across industries. And if we want to continue to succeed and move forward, the way that we think about work and how we show up at work will have to shift because you can have a big job and a big life. You can start treating yourself in a way that allows you to show up at work as a professional that you want to be. And you can treat your body and mind in such a way as to take care of yourself as you age. You do not have to sacrifice the latter for the former. So for sure, I normalized living in burnout and that contributed to my sense of life happening to me. I was doing a lot of what I've described in previous episodes, hitting it hard during the day, pushing myself up into fight or flight to get work done, and then coming home and crashing in the evening. This was my normal. And when I looked around, it was the normal of those around me. So if you recognized yourself here, now what? You'll recognize a number of these strategies from other episodes. Recognize this is not rocket science. Small tweaks, small wins in one area can create spillover effects into other areas of your life. So what I'm offering you here is going to be very familiar. Living in a way so as to heal and protect yourself from burnout is possible but it too is a new skill to develop. 
So some suggestions that I would offer are the following. Begin doing some journaling about your thoughts about your work and other responsibilities that you believe are contributing to your burnout. Look specifically for thoughts that you have that relate to you, how you identify as a successful high achiever, to your identity, how you show up, how other people should or could see you, and what you might believe about what's required for success. Notice also the habits and ways of being of others as it relates to their work and responsibilities. This may be your family, friends, coworkers, or even people you admire who seem to strike a balance. Cultivate self-compassion. Something that I've stressed now lots of times on the podcast is how we talk to ourselves. All of us are prone to judging not only others, which of course we judge ourselves for, but we judge ourselves so harshly. For more on self-compassion, I recommend any of the work by Kristen Neff. See how you can show up in kindness for yourself rather than judgment. Judgment makes change impossible. Notice where you're pushing or going fast, not just working, but giveaways or tells like eating fast, talking fast, walking fast. Ask yourself, what can you do more slowly or softly? Find some nervous system regulation exercise. Check in with your body. Do a brief body scan meditation from an app. Google nervous system regulation on Google, Instagram. Find two or three that work for you and integrate them gently into your day. And I mean gently, and this doesn't have to be obtrusive. You don't have to set aside time. Integrate these as some of the focused rest breaks that you take. Sit down at your desk in the morning and orient yourself to your space. Identify your minimum daily baseline. One or two things that you can do most days of the week to take care of yourself and make those non-negotiable. Develop some rules or aphorisms for yourself to guide how you work and think about work. I've shared some of mine with you on previous episodes and I'll state them again here so you can borrow them if you'd like to. Multitasking doesn't actually help me to get any more done. Rushing doesn't allow me to get things done more quickly. Just in time is actually on time. It isn't actually all supposed to get done. Others that I would add are some of the things that I suggested that you could quit instead of quiet quitting on episode 10. This includes not treating all tasks as if they are equally urgent or important and deciding whose opinions and perspectives matter and most importantly, whose don't. Did you recognize yourself in this episode? If so, let's work together on it. If this work lights you up, you may be a candidate for one of the one-on-one coaching packages that I'll have open in January of 2023. And the month's not quite over yet. Coaching one-on-one with me offers you the opportunity to truly invest in yourself and the creation of the second half of your life. We'll uncover how you are keeping yourself stuck. We'll look at patterns that you have that are creating burnout and overwhelm and what to do about them so that you even have the energy to think meaningfully about your life. We'll take a look at the story that you tell about your life and see where it's serving you and where it's not and where you want to, we'll rewrite it together. 
will clean all of the junk out of the way so that you can get clear about what it is you want for the second half of your life. We can't go after goals that we don't know we have. So we're going to figure out what those things that you really want are. I'm only offering a few of these one-on-one coaching slots all weekend afternoons, 24 sessions over the course of six months. If this sounds like exactly what you need to wake up to your life, let's get to work now. Go to my website at stephanieleecoaching.com. I have slots reserved for the first couple weekends in January for these discovery calls. I don't know that any more will be on the calendar by the time this airs. So you might need to just reach out to me directly at hello at stephanieleecoaching.com and we will find a call for a discovery call if I still have slots available. Thank you for sticking with me through the 29th episode of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. For a worksheet to support you in continuing the work that you've heard about on this episode, go to stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash episode 29, scroll to the bottom and enter your email address. And I do hope that you'll join me back here on your favorite podcast player or YouTube for our next episode. Wherever you listen, please do like and subscribe and tell your friends. If you are enjoying it, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others to find the show. Have a great week. And I can't wait to chat with you again soon. Bye.